0: I want to thank uh, Kyle for putting that video together and for Sean and others that have been down there. I was recently down there and, you know, it's just amazing to watch the family, the Forever family, come together uh, and take care of one another. That's And that becomes a witness and a testimony to uh, uh, to the world about who we are, right? And so uh, I appreciate so much this church and the support that you've given uh, all of our, all the times that we've done relief ministry, but especially at this time. And so, uh, matter of fact, we, we are still collecting funds, so if you know folks and, uh, or want to give or know people who might be interested, just go to the website and you can donate, and we'll take those directly down there and take care of folks with them, okay? Thanks, thanks again for what you do there. It's been a great blessing to be involved in that. I also want to uh, have a couple, I want have a prayer here before we get started into our lesson on Want to continue to pray for Bobby, uh, Jenny. He's doing better, but you know mornings are tough and those kind of things. So uh, I really wanted to be here today, but uh, but couldn't make it. But I want to continue to pray. They're going to be six weeks doing chemo uh, down in Houston, and so we want to remember him as well as we've been asked to remember the Meyer family there in the middle of an adoption situation with the with baby Jacob, and so we want that to go good and smooth this week. So. Uh, as well as, obvious, uh, if you've watched the news, the terrible shooting in Pittsburgh uh, just reminds us evil really does exist. Uh, and there is a great need for God's people and God's message of hope in this evil world. And we want to have a prayer uh, for that city and for the, those that have suffered loss uh, this weekend. Father. We come before you, acknowledging you as creator of the universe, a great and mighty God, full of love, full of power, full of grace and mercy. We're thankful that we can come to you, Father, in tragic times and know that you always hear us. I pray, Father, for the healing of Bobby as he continues to... uh, 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 address, Father, this cancer that's invaded his body. And I pray, Father, uh, for those taking care of him and for you'll give them wisdom and to do exactly what they need to do. But we know overall we still, above everything, we lay this in your hands. And Father, for the Meyer family and the adoption of little baby Jacob, we pray that all goes smooth there. Uh, thank you for people who are willing to take care of little ones and have no place to go. Grateful, Father. Uh, for those who reach out and take care of one another. And Father, I pray for our continued prayer for those that are affected by the recent hurricanes. Uh, I pray, Father, a prayer for Daniel, uh chair who we just heard from on the video, for his ministry there uh, with the church, for their outreach to the community. Grateful of their unselfishness as they, as they Father, uh, make efforts toward acknowledging you among people and for giving glory to you even in the middle of a very tough and difficult situation. I know even while they have their own homes uh, uh, destroyed in many ways and, and are damaged and yet they're able to go out in the community and serve and put others first. We ask a blessing upon that church and the many churches involved in helping. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians. We've been working on this uh, series, simply called One. Uh, and I want to just I want to just read the passage, and then let's just kind of talk through it. You know, there, I don't have a PowerPoint with four points and a conclusion on it today, and uh, so. Uh, 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 you, you can't read it like Trent's and run ahead, you know, right? Trent, I mean, Trent's a little bit more organized than I am, uh, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, so we're just going to kind of read the text, talk about it a little bit. We've already talked about uh, one body and one spirit, unity and one Lord, and we're going to kind of deal with the rest of the passage. So let's, let's look at this Ephesians chapter 4, and we're starting in verse 2 through 6. Be completely humble. And gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. And make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, before we go to the next verse, let's just, just kind of in summary here because we dealt with most of this early on. That this idea of unity, uh, uh has to have the ingredients or the things that really grease the wheels to make run, things run smooth are found in this first part of it. The humility, the gentleness, the patience, the forbearing or, or long-suffering, and love. These are the ingredients that have to exist if we're going to have unity. Because any of these that are absent, all of a sudden you're going to have, you're going to have some uh, things rubbing against each other in a very, very difficult situation. Uh, Because what he's going to have to do to challenge, what we're going to have to do to really keep this unity is we are going to have to make sure our spirit and our attitude is correct. And so he really, that's why he starts with these particular qualities. And by the way, unity is not created by us. Unity is only maintained by us. It's created by God. It's kept or maintained by our efforts. And so, and, and we're challenged to keep those efforts going uh, time and time again. Let's look at the next part of the verse, verse four. It says, there is now I want you you can look at the screen, okay, I want you to say with me the word one every time we get to it, okay? There is body and spirit. just as you were called to hope, when you were called, Lord, faith, baptism, God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. How could you read the verse and not get an idea that somehow or another God expects us to stay united? To be one. Sevenfold foundation of ones, he lays down here. And this idea somehow or another that uh, we can... uh, We can all have unity without effort and just be peaceful and let everybody believe or think what they want to think or believe what they want to believe is absent from the Scripture. See, by the very fact that, as Trent mentioned last week, when he says one Lord, guess what? There's no other Lords. There's only one. Remember, one name by which we're saved, the name of Jesus Christ. There's only one Lord. There's only one faith. There's only one message that can bring hope. It's the story of Jesus. It's not the story of anyone else. Everybody else outside of Christianity, they follow leaders that are dead and you can go to their graves. But in Christianity, the grave is empty because the one Lord came out of that grave and promises to bring us out of the grave too. Our unity is all tied together together. With this oneness of the Spirit, of the body, of the Father, of the Lord, of the hope, and of the baptism. It's really interesting to me that in amongst all these essentials of oneness, that he throws baptism in the middle of it. Because, of all things, that seems to be something that's been controversial among Christianity. Not a unifying thing. But I think it's simply because we we misunderstand the simplicity as well as the deepness of what happens when a person is baptized. So we've, we've talked about one Lord. We've talked about one Spirit. And by the way, there needs to be a whole much, much more emphasis on the Holy Spirit within the kingdom of God. When we dis- diminish the Spirit, we guarantee failure. We need the Spirit of God leading us guiding us and dwelling us and counting on his promises he goes to us he goes to the father for us for prayer even when we don't know how to cry out to him romans 8 the spirit guides us we have someone to follow he gives us his word to trust and depend upon we need a bigger emphasis on the holy spirit and i hope before too long i want to do a whole series on the works of the holy spirit but but today I want to focus a little bit more on this idea of one baptism. Trent focused on the one Lord last week. I want to talk about that for a minute. Look, you can't, have, you can't have unity without the Trinity. When we say the word Trinity, we're talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All one and all God. And he mentions all of them in this passage. So why baptism? Because in baptism, you're going to see the Trinity, you're going to see unity, you're going to see community, and you're going to see ministry. You're going to see all those things I could have had four points on the screen, couldn't? I, I didn't even realize? Hey, there you go. Write that down and say that was the point of the preacher, and that'll be good for you if you're a sermonizing guy. All those things exist when a person is baptized. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this idea of baptism, what is he talking about? Well, you see, the gospel, uh, well, I put the gospel drawing up. I think I've got that. The, yeah, there you go. The simple story. This is how we simply tell about Jesus who came from heaven, God in the flesh, John 1, 1, 1 and verse 14. He, he became flesh. He made his dwelling among us, right? He pitched his tent here, became man. He came from heaven. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried in a grave, but He didn't stay there. His body came out of the ground. He went back to heaven, and there continues to help us in life. And one day, He's coming again. That story of the gospel is what changes hearts. And so, what does baptism have to do with that? Because when a person is baptized, they're reenacting. They're becoming part of the story of Christ. A person is baptized into Christ, Romans chapter 6. They're raised to walk a new kind of life. Baptism is, is, is symbolic in that it represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but it's much more than symbolic. It's one of the physical things we do that ties us to the gospel story itself. There are two things we practice here that always that practice physically that ties spiritually to the gospel. One is baptism, the other is the Lord's Supper. Because it, because it represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and reminds us that we're in a body of people who have a message for the world that we take out to folks day in and day out. That's why we do it, by the way. Because we're a community of believers. Look, baptism... Baptism is not an act I do to deserve being saved. I don't deserve being saved. Matter of fact, this whole second half of Ephesians, chapter 4, 5, and 6, is about how we live after we're saved. The first three chapters of Ephesians tells who we are in Christ. The second three, how we live in Christ. Now, the first chapter, he says, look, in Christ you have all great spiritual blessings. And chapter 2, we're saved by what? Grace. Grace. We cannot earn it. We don't deserve it. We're broken people. We must depend upon God's grace to save us. And how did that grace work among the people he was writing to? All these Jews and Gentiles who had totally different religious backgrounds, religious heritage, and and, and different race, and yet he brings both of those together in one body called the church. The mystery of how God tore down the barriers through the gospel and brought Jew and Gentile alike all into one family called the family of God. That's why in baptism you have unity represented. Because all of us who were baptized into Christ, we put on Christ. We become the family of God, you see. So it's not just a personal response. It's also a response that puts me in a relationship with everybody else through history it's ever done the same thing. It's how we get into the forever family. We're saved by grace through faith. So baptism is always written, by the way, in the passive voice. It's something I submit to. It's not something I do in order to get. I submit to it because God has already done what He needs to do to save me from my sins. When a person is baptized into Christ, a lot of things happen. And I'm not saying you got to understand everything that happens when it happens to enjoy it. For example, uh, I don't really understand how electricity works and you flip a switch and lights come on. But I'm willing to enjoy it and the air conditioning and everything else. I don't know how it works, right? Well, there's a lot that happens when a person is converted. And you may not understand everything that's happening But you're going to learn to enjoy the blessings down the road as you learn about this mystery of the gospel. So when a person is baptized into Christ, look at all the things that take place. The Bible says that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That we receive forgiveness of sins. That we are reenacting the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. That we are placed in harmony with everybody else through history who trust in the gospel to be saved. We are ready for the ministry to take place in our own lives. See, by the way, our baptism is much more like Jesus's than we've ever thought. Remember when Jesus was baptized? And what happened? A voice from heaven announces something about this person. This is my son. I'm well pleased. The voice from the water, John the Baptist, is saying, "Hey, there's the Lamb of God." And he said, "Look, he ought to be baptizing me, not me baptizing him, right?" But Jesus submits to this, and what happens? A dove comes from heaven, represents the Holy Spirit, shows up. Then he's taken out out of the water, and Jesus heads what he heads out to be tempted and start his ministry. For the next three years, that'll change the world. Do you realize all those things are involved in our baptism too? Because it's an identification of who I am in, in Christ. Look, I tried this living in the world by myself. I tried correcting my own life. I tried working and doing enough religious things to take care of the shame and guilt, and it didn't work. But when I submitted myself and surrendered myself to God, then all of a sudden, whatever success I have in growing up to look like Jesus is something that God gets the glory for, not me, including my baptism. I love, I love baptisms in public. I love them in the church service. Oh, they can take place anywhere, right? On the, uh, the roads to Damascus, they can take place anywhere. But uh, the thing about baptism, when we see it, is that we get a little bit better understanding. That, look, when I'm baptized, I'm not just being saved. I'm not, receiving, I'm not just receiving the grace of God. Baptism, by the fact, is an experience of grace and an act of grace. Done by God on me. Not done by me for grace. So when I'm baptizing to Christ, I'm receiving something very special. This Holy Spirit, forgiveness, a family that will help walk me through whatever terrible time I'm going through. We are connected we are blood kin because the same blood that cleansed me cleanses you, and continues to do so as we live for God. One baptism. Why would He mention in this? Because it's tied to all the other ones. Remember in Matthew twenty-eight when He tells the disciples what to do. He says, "Look, I want you to go and I want you to go into all nations and make disciples of every nation." That word "nation" means every ethnic group. Make disciples of every nation. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's the Trinity. And then doing what? Teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. What had He just commanded them? To go into all the nations. See, the unity that comes from responding to God is not something I created but it is something I make an effort to keep. So, now we're like uh, kids in a family. I don't know how your family was growing up. I had two older brothers. I have to be careful now because now my brother listens to all the online stuff. So, he corrects my stories. Uh, that's a great thing about not videoing when you're a kid. Then you can remember the story like you want to and there's no proof. Uh, right? We got in a few squabbles, three boys in the house. Uh, I think, matter of fact, I don't think mom said don't fight. I think she said don't fight in the house. Take that out there in the yard if you're going to do that. I think she just gave up on the no fighting deal. Just take that out in the yard, right? Now, in a family, you're going to have some times when it's difficult to get along. And the more immaturity that exists, the more fights you have. And I used to think that length of time and years made someone mature. And then I realized, as I recently had a birthday, and I'm 62 years old, that sounds old when I say out loud, but it really doesn't feel that bad. But all of a sudden I realized that as I talked to other people that are my age or older, and I watch them respond in some immature way to things, I realize all of a sudden years does not make maturity. And, And length of time in a church does not guarantee unity. What does? People understanding the foundation of why we're together. You see, the reason I can give up what I want for somebody else in the body of Christ is because of the earlier ingredients he mentioned. Humility, patience, love, forbearance. You see, it's when I want what I want the most is when unity gets destroyed. Because selfishness always cuts somebody else. And it's hard to pull people together that are immature. It's a difficult thing. Which is why, by the way, he goes on to say through the rest of this chapter, I put different people in the body, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the, for the growing up of the saints, for the maturity of that body of Christ, so each can work in its own talent and own ability and grow themselves up in the love of God. And then they'll know how to do ministry and they'll know how to love each other as they do it. Why? Because how we function together is a testimony to the world about who Jesus is. Because that's what he said in John 17. I'm praying for not only people here, Jesus said. I'm praying for anyone who will ever believe in me. That's you and me. Jesus Christ said out loud in his voice a prayer for you and me in John 17. Desiring all of us to be united. And the bottom line is, disunity gets destroyed when immaturity rules. So I always got to look at myself and ask. Before I go pointing the finger at somebody else that has a disagreement with me, this thing that I've got with being united, look, it's not about everybody... Walking and doing everything the exact same way. Unity is not about everybody agreeing on everything, but there are some things we must agree on. And the one thing mentioned here are those things. we got to understand there is a difference between uniformity and unity. We have different gifts and different levels of education, we have different backgrounds. We have different races. We have different uh, different religious backgrounds, even different parts of the world, represented in our particular church family at this location. How can you have unity? You have it through the gospel. God made me one with you. You didn't get to choose who uh, who was in the family. And I don't get to choose who's in the family. You see, that comes by God. He puts us in the family. Now, how we function in this family and how we do ministry in this family is always going to depend upon our own own attitude and our own spirit. Uh, Someone said, Mike, are you you, you one of those positive thinkers? I said, "I, I, I try to be. I mean, I not only want to see the glass half full, I want to drink it and fill it back up. You know what I'm saying? I want to be that side. I want to be on the positive side. You know why? Because I understand that God can do more than I can ask or imagine. So why would I ever give up on God working? Even though I see problems, I know something. God can take everything that exists out there and pull it all together to make something good happen for the kingdom of God. So I'm never going to give up working for God and doing things in the ministry, no matter how difficult it gets, because I understand it's not about me happening. I told a preacher the other day, we were talking about church growth, and he's worried about this church not growing. I said, look, forget about worrying about the church growing. God didn't ask you to build the church. Jesus said He would build the church. I don't have to worry about it. I'm just serving alongside whatever He's given me to do, you see. It's not my responsibility to build the church. Jesus will do that. And you know what? He's never messed up yet. I think I can trust Him to build. What I can do is dive into His Word, figure out how He wants me to serve, and do it with a whole heart and do it not only to His glory but do it where it benefits the brothers and sisters around me. There's an old song we used to sing. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. That you, what? Love one another. They won't know it by our building. They'll know it by our love. They won't know it by the programs we publish that we have. They'll know it when they see people take a chainsaw and get on top of a house and cut a tree off. They'll know it when they're handing water to somebody who hadn't had any two or three days. They'll know we're Christians, by that kind of love, because that's the greatest can love God and what? Love everybody else. And all of a sudden, that design and operation that God created will tell people who we truly are. So the story of the death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel story, is for me personally. And that I respond to it by saying, Jesus is going to be the Lord of my life. I'm going to repent of my old past ways. I'm going to live different. I'm baptizing to Christ. and I'm going to walk a different way now. I'm born again. So it's personal, yes. But it's also community because it ties me to everybody else that's made that commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord. And you know what? I need to have a greater appreciation For the oneness of the body outside this building and outside the people sitting in this pews, the oneness of the body around the world because of the gospel, I need to have an appreciation for that and a commitment that that gets declared and, and that a proclamation goes out so that people will have hope who never had hope before. I'm telling you, if you have a sin problem in your life, God is big enough to handle it. He sent a son named Jesus to die for you. So, unity starts with the story of the gospel. It continues as I learn to live like Jesus. And it will result in all of us one day being brought together as a forever family to live, to live forever and be away from this old world. You know what? I'm going to be so glad not to ever have to visit another hospital. Won't you? Never have to have another surgery. Never have to wait in another waiting room. Never have to hear the word cancer again. Never, after, never have to hear the word funeral again. You know, our whole vocabulary will change in heaven. But until then, we're going to keep sharing the good news that people can have hope. And But we need to do it as a united body of Christ, knowing that the message changes people's hearts. Father, we love you. We're grateful for the good news of Jesus. We're grateful, Father, for the unity we have in Christ. I'm thankful, Father, for this particular church here and the the many blessings it has been to me and continues to be. I'm thankful for the volunteers who will just get in vehicles and go down to a storm area and work and serve. I'm thankful, Father, for... The unity between churches that we can work with one another in different communities to help people. I'm thankful, Father, for the blessings of your grace. And I pray, Father, that we will understand your grace is enough. You've removed our shame and our guilt and that as a family of yours, Father, we have great hope to share. May we learn to depend upon you and your Son, your Spirit, and all we do. Help us, Father, to walk with humility and gentleness and to practice that with one another as well as the people we interact with in the world, that they may see Jesus. In his precious name we pray. Amen. If you have a need to respond to the gospel today and want to be baptized in Christ, we can take care of that. If you just have some other need you'd like to be prayed with, well, we'll take care of that too. That's why we have an invitation. So if you'd like to come, please stand and we'll sing a song and invite you to come.